Okay, so hello and welcome back to the Dentistry Podcast. Um, I am Gabby Bissett and I'm joined today by Justin Lee, the founder of Focus for Growth, a sales and leadership training company specializing in the dental market. Um, hello, thank you for coming on today. Um, how, was your, how was your bank holiday weekend? Hi Gabby, thanks for having me. Yeah, really good, thank you. Really good. And uh, believe it or not, the sun has just come out for perhaps <laughs> only a minute just to... <laughs> <laughs> just to warm up uh, uh, what was a wet and windy Tuesday morning. Yeah, it's it's been a bit of a weird one. Um, I feel like everyone all over the country had both sun, rain. I think there was sleet in some parts of the countries. Um, yes. So, uh, I mean, I think we all feel a bit cheated that it was the first bank holiday where we were able to go to the pub. But, um, yeah, no, you know, no. it's it was expected. I don't think anybody was actually, uh, actually surprised. Um, no. Well, fingers crossed for the second one to be... Uh, a bit brighter and a bit warmer. Well, hopefully, you, you know, as the summer comes in, you, you like to think it will get lighter and, and warmer, but um, yeah, you never know. <laughs> With fingers English. crossed. Fingers <laughs> crossed. <laughs> um, so yeah, you're the you're the founder of Focus for Growth, um, and obviously you specialise in the dental market. Um, and before we sort of get into the the details of that, I was wondering if you could just talk us through your journey into the dental industry, because obviously it's it's very mm-hmm. niche, um, and people always have different journeys. Um, yes. into so yeah if you could just talk us through that yes of course well my my um contact with dentistry came at the age of uh, 17 so i left school between kind of 17 and 18 i didn't finish a levels mm. uh, because i didn't really uh, get on with the education system and i was looking to do something um, i guess work related so i started an apprenticeship as a dental technician so that was my first Uh, experience with dentistry and I was really fortunate the laboratory I worked in was actually attached and owned by the dental practice so it was one of those rare occasions where it was a full service laboratory we did all of the different um, dental technology functions so crown and bridge we did orthodontics and we did uh, prosthetics and denture work so it meant that there was a huge um, kind of variation of work that was done but also that we got to see very often patients almost on a daily basis with the dentist you know they would bring us into the surgery and ask either you know just for a bit of guidance or maybe shade taking or uh, you know something that just helped them out to to provide a better service for the patients so I, I qualified as a technician and shortly after qualifying as a technician it took me uh, four and a half five years I realized that actually working in a dental laboratory wasn't what I wanted to do for the rest of my career so I then went into dental sales so I started with a company called uh, was back then called Wright Health Group is now uh, Wright Cottrell and I was with them for a couple of years and then I was asked to go and join Dentsply so I was really fortunate I went and worked for Dentsply I was at Dentsply for about four years and I ended up in a blended role of selling and managing their distribution channel, which was a really good, uh, really good process. And, and I have to say, Dentsply was the first company that really introduced me to professional selling and influencing skills. I think that's where the, my kind of passion for selling and influencing was really ignited, uh, largely because it taught me that it doesn't have to be what most people expect selling to be. I think most people me included back back in the day uh, have this impression of selling as being quite a, a pitch quite a, almost oppressive and uh, pressurized on the customer and it really you know that that for me that's not selling and, and i've been very fortunate that after dentsply i went to 3m 
and at 3M I then, in their dental business, I ended up as their key account and channel manager. So I know a lot of the large dental companies uh, and collaborated with a lot of them. And I then was working with some of the larger dental groups as well. So I know the corporate marketplace quite well. Um, and then in about 2005, I moved out of dentistry with 3M into their medical division and spent a bit of time, quite a bit of time leading medical sales teams. I then became a business manager with 3M uh, right the way up until 2017, I was a business manager working across different businesses within 3M. And Focus for Growth was founded in, at the end of 2017, beginning of 2018, as a sales and leadership development kind of training and coaching organization. And I, I work with lots of different companies and clients, but interestingly, I've been, I guess, drawn back to the dental market. One, because I've got quite a strong network in the dental marketplace. But I think too, because I'm quite passionate about the industry, I, I really enjoy the work, I enjoy the people. And there is, having been in different environments, uh, I don't enjoy, I haven't enjoyed a marketplace quite as much as I enjoy the dental marketplace. So I'm kind of drawn back to it. Yeah, that's really interesting. I find that's quite common. People often come back to it. They might have a little break away, but they often mm. do return. I think what's really interesting though is, is you said there's sort of a common misconception that people see sales as a, as a pitch. Yeah, people people have an idea of what a salesman does and it, and it can be wrong. So, I mean, is that is that a stereotype that you try to break down a little bit? Yes. It's, something, it's interesting because I, for the first two or three years of my sales career, I really resisted the term sales rep. I, I really had a dislike for it. Uh -huh. And largely, well, uh, to be completely honest, largely because I wasn't very good at it. <laughs> and I was falling That's into the same That's completely fair enough. <laughs> yeah, I, do you know, I, I, was, I was falling into the same trap that a lot of salespeople fall mm -hmm. into before they're trained. And, you know, there, there is a, there's an approach to selling, consultative selling, that when, once you learn it, once you learn that there is an approach to engaging somebody else authentically, not, not, as, a, not as a way to uh, ex explicitly sell, but as a way to really understand what someone else truly wants and needs. And once, once you find out that actually it's not about whether or not you can sell somebody something, it's about whether or not there is a fit it's whether or not the other person has a genuine need and a desire. And it's whether or not you as a provider of a product service solution have something that matches that desire or need for the other person. And then being, I guess, confident enough in your own ability to be able to say to, be able to say to the other person, I don't think this is right. Or actually, perhaps this isn't the best fit for you. Um, however, because over time you build up you know, experience and networks uh, and you know your, your market and your field, you can start to point and direct people in the, right, in, in the right direction themselves. So in that instance, if it was right for the person, you can kind of say, well, based on what you've explained to me and what you've told me you need and the, the considerations that you have, here are some options that I could provide. However, if you were looking for something that was more along the lines of, you know, whatever that might be, maybe a more specialist treatment, maybe something that's a little more bespoke for you or, or meets your budgetary requirements or, or you know, whatever it might be, 
then actually here are some other options that we could also explore or that I could you know, uh, direct you towards. And that, that becomes so much more rewarding for both parties. So as a, as a, as a provider of professional services, whether you're a dentist or whether you are a coach, whether you are a business owner, whether you're a salesperson in the dental industry, you know, taking a consultative approach to those conversations with customers really does benefit the customer. And, and one of the things that I learned at the right time in my career was it takes the pressure off everybody. Because if you're going in with an intent to, to you know, I'm going to sell regardless, you, you take with you a certain amount of pressure into that conversation. And the other party senses that without you having to say a word. But as soon as you change your perspective to serving the other party, whether that be a patient or a, or a customer or a dentist or whoever, as soon as you change your perspective to serving the other person with the absolute best solution that's right for them, be that you or somebody else, that is when everything changes because you start to become more credible, you become more authoritative, you become more confident, and you genuinely will start to provide a level of service that sets you apart from anybody else in your field. And that's what I've, it took me a long time to learn that, far too long. I, I should have picked it up sooner in my career. <laughs> At least I got there in the end. <laughs> now you're here to pass on that. You've done the hard work for people, right? Yes. So, yeah. Exactly. Exactly it's, right, exactly Gabby. Right, I like the way you said that. <laughs> <laughs> but, and and you know, that is a really, really uh, valid point because as I trans, so in my, I mentioned uh, briefly about my career, when I transitioned from the dental market into medical, and then I went from medical to IT services. And then from IT services to uh, data analytics. And what I realized very quickly as I transitioned through those roles into different businesses was that I couldn't rely on my industry knowledge. I couldn't rely on what I knew about dentistry. It was no longer serving me because it wasn't um, appropriate or relevant. And so that's when you start to recognize the core skills that you've developed as a, as a business professional or a sales professional in my, in my uh, circumstances. And it was then really starting to, to become more aware that there are things that I do in the right order that enable me to be successful, whether that's leading a business, leading a sales team, engaging and influencing other people, helping to understand what really matters to other people and then match up a proposition to what is important to them so that it gets a combined result and, and it's those things that i think had i not been through that experience i wouldn't have those insights to bring back into the dental market that i think are so valuable i was about to ask do you feel that this um this period of time where you moved away from the dental market is was beneficial to your knowledge in terms of it brought you experiences that you wouldn't otherwise have have had basically yeah yeah. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And one of the things that happened, uh, it wasn't a coincidence, it was uh, out of necessity. Uh, as I moved from dental into other businesses, I, because I recognised I had quite a few gaps in my knowledge, my skills, you know, business skills, selling leadership skills, I recognised the gap. And so I went inside to address the gap. So I did a lot of personal development I read a lot of business books, a lot of sales books, a lot of influencing books, a lot of leadership books, um, and didn't just read the books and, uh, as a passive 
participant, I actively looked to um, adopt the models, try out the concepts, figure out what works for me and what doesn't, what doesn't. I did quite a lot of mentoring inside of the companies I was working at as well. So helping some of the you know, new leaders and new sales professionals coming up, which I really enjoyed. And it probably is why I've you know, ended up running a sales training and consulting company because actually one of the things I really enjoy is sharing those insights, coaching other people to have their own eureka moments around how actually I can take a consultative approach to a conversation with either a, you know, a customer or a patient and it can feel really natural. It can serve them and it can serve me. It doesn't have to feel like it's me selling anything that, uh, that the other person doesn't want. So Focus for Growth, you said you started this up at the end of 2017, is that right? That's right, yeah. So what, I mean, you've, you've kind of given us an insight now into what you do and, and what your, where your interests lie, but what, what, does, what is Focus for Growth about? What does it do? We, we are a training uh, and coaching company. <laughs> so it, it is about taking the insights that we've learned and sharing them with our clients and uh, customers and, and sometimes their clients as well. So, so what we do is we run structured business programs or structured training programs for sales leaders, uh, sales teams in the dental industry. And more recently, we are working also with leaders of dental kind of groups and organizations where dentists work. Because what we've found is that the principles that we apply and that we train and coach are equally relevant in the dental field as well as the dental industry of the market. So really starting to, to kind of join up that consultative approach to communication as well as, you know, the selling and influencing. Because for a lot of people, as, as we said, selling can be almost something they resist. Um, and once you understand that actually selling is serving the other person, it can really transform your perspective of it and start to help you think, actually, if I don't learn these powerful skills of communication, and you know, one of the keys, one of the, the two key skills that a really, really good salesperson has. And the first is to listen deeply to the other person, the customer, or, or if it's a, a dentist, the patient. So to listen really carefully to what the other person is telling them they need. And then the second skill is to ask the right questions to elicit the, the deepest desires, wants and needs of the other person. So that that combination of questioning and listening helps the other person to really explain what they're looking for and to create the time and space to do that is what really makes a fundamental consultative selling approach and when you think about it actually that's before you've done anything the primary foundation is understand the other person the patient in the you know in the instance of dentistry and if you don't create the space, if you don't understand what the patient needs, if you don't have that conversation, listen deeply and just check that you've understood, then you're not consulting the patient. And you're not able to then say to them, well, based on what you've told me, here is what I think is the most appropriate treatment plan. And here are the considerations that we should make to ensure that you get everything you've told me is important to you. So as, as obvious as that may seem, it's such an important part of the sales uh, principle and, and the sales approach. I feel like that's, that's especially applicable to, to dental teams. Um, I mean, if, mm. if, if, if there were dental professionals listening now, um, I, I can imagine some people might 
as, as we spoke about, be quite apprehensive to, um, mm. to even begin to sell in a practice environment. Yes. Um, and, and I mean, there, there's, that's a completely understandable, um, as we've established, um, but obviously mm. there's also the other side of it, whereas actually, you know, you, you're providing a service and um, you're completely in your right to, to do that. That's, mm. uh, that's, that's part and parcel of, uh, of owning a practice and running a practice. So if, if I were a sort of quite reluctant or perhaps apprehensive dental professional, what would you say to me first off to sort of put me at ease, I guess, um, to start this, this process of, of integrating selling into my my day-to-day so so the first thing i think is to share the the principles and the structure so to talk about the fact that it's it's it is a consultative approach i think you know thinking about consulting patients comes very naturally to to uh, healthcare professionals dentists in particular and you know treatment coordinators people who are dealing with the patient they want to consult the patient actually knowing the right questioning techniques, knowing how to deepen your listening, knowing how to improve uh, listening principles and reduce the disruption that happens when we try to listen. Because it's an, it's an, it's a, an unnatural thing to do. It's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, really, yeah. it's quite remarkable when you get into the science of it. There's a, a lot of reasons why listening is so difficult. But to, to, to kind of make that transition to this is about consulting the patient more effectively so that you can serve their needs but then also to share with them a model. So I um, have developed a model that is in the book. Uh, We haven't mentioned it, but I I have a book that I wrote, uh, became an Amazon bestseller in November last year. Uh, And it it, it was uh, an Amazon bestseller for the second time back in March as well this year. Uh, And the book is called uh, Inspire, Influence, Sell. Now, this is a, a kind of industry book, so it is about how sales teams sell, but I've had, there's quite a lot of dentists have bought and read the book and fed back to me to say, I, you know, it, did, it wasn't a giant leap to go from the principles in the book to how I would use that in a practice setting, communicating effectively with patients. And the, the word inspire is actually the process that we lay out in the book. So inspire is a mnemonic. And it's a step-by-step approach to consultative selling with, you know, customers or with patients. And so what I find is that when uh, I explain that process and how it works, that tends to uh, help people to see the way in which a consultative selling process would truly help either patients or or customers. So that tends to to really help alleviate any of that resistance or hesitancy up front. Okay. And um, when, when, I mean, the book, when did, when did this happen? What was the, when was the, what was the thinking behind it? When did this get published? Mm-hmm. Uh, so believe it or not, I had, uh, I had a thought, this Inspire model, um, I, I wrote it out a long time ago, probably early 2000s. And I wrote it out as, as a model in my mind for if I was, get, uh, not that this was conscious, but if I was going to, work with dentists because I was in dentistry you know quite deep in the in the in the field if I was going to work with dentists and I was trying to explain how best to have a conversation with a patient about treatment options how would I do it and I laid out the inspire model as a a structure for being able to have that communication Um, and then I literally have it's been parked in a notebook for years and then in 2017 at the end of 2017 I left the corporate world I left 3M and I retrained as an executive coach. And that was, it was a six month train, retraining program. 
And during the course of that training program, um, one of the things I had to do was build out models and structure as part of the accreditation. But I started to write the book. So the book was a project I started in November 2017. So it was, it was pretty much three years almost to the day from first inception, structuring the chapters, writing the content, working with the editor and then publishing. About wow. a three year process. Yeah. Wow. And how, I mean, did you enjoy the process? Was it, what were the, some of the challenges you came across? I did enjoy the process. Yeah, I, I'm, uh, by nature, I'm a bit of a perfectionist. <laughs> not a bad thing. It's not a bad <laughs> and, uh, and that's, that's a good thing in certain situations. But if anybody has perfectionist tendencies, you'll know that one of the downfalls is that it can delay you from completing and finishing tasks. Yeah, just a bit. <laughs> so I found I kept reworking the chapters, reworking, revising, redrafting. Uh, and then I, I met, actually I met someone who, who is uh, in the dental industry. Um, I met uh, Drew Shah, who uh, runs the Dentinal Tubules Organisation and Association. And he introduced me to a guy called David Horn. Uh, David Horn is a CFO of Dentinal Tubules, and he's, he's a finance uh, director by uh, training and profession, but he works in the dental industry uh, as well. And he introduced me to the publisher of his book, uh, Add Then Multiply, and the publisher's Rethink Press. And it was that introduction in uh, February, March 2020 that really kind of instigated the process of going from this has been a pet project to it needs to become something serious. And if I'm going to publish, I've actually got to get a final draft in place. So it was a really, really positive bit of pressure. I, I find that deadlines, deadlines are brilliant for doing that. If you set a deadline, it forces your attention and focus to, to meet. Definitely. I, can't, I couldn't agree more. I always need something to sort of, um, yeah, encourage me to get something done. And do you know what? I don't think that's, um, I, I used to feel quite embarrassed about it, but now I think, do you know what? That's understandable. You need that just, yeah. you know, not too much. I don't want to be stressed out about it, but just a little bit of pressure is healthy, yeah, yeah. I think, actually. Yeah. There yeah. Is, uh, so I, uh, the other thing I run with clients, I do lots of different programs with clients. One of the clients I work with asked me if I would run some productivity and effectiveness training. So I did, I did a series of workshops, and in one of them we talk about a principle called Parkinson's Law. And Parkinson's Law says that tasks and or money will expand or contract to fit the available allocation. So if I have a week to do something, I will take a week. If you tell me it's got to be done by 9am tomorrow morning, it will be done. And, <laughs> and that's the difference. Um, so it works with tasks. It also works with money. So if I have a budget of, you know, in, insert your salary here, then pretty much I'll spend to that budget. As it increases, generally speaking, so does my expenditure. And we tend to find that, you know, time, tasks and money are all really closely correlated. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, God, this is going to be my bedtime thinking later. I'm going to be just <laughs> putting me off going to sleep and be just up and into the small hours just thinking about this. But no, you're completely right. When you were saying that, I was just applying it to my own situation. And yeah, it's, it's, um, it seems pretty spot on. Yeah, it's, it's remarkable, actually. It's remar and it's one of the reasons, I think, why... So in the corporate world, I worked with an executive coach for about seven or eight years. And what I found in that seven or eight-year period, I made greater progress, one, in my career, two, in my development, three, in my performance, greater progress than I've ever made. And 
a big part of the contribution to that performance improvement was working with a coach because everything that I committed to, to that coach, I then went on to achieve. If I just had it as a thought or made it as a note in my notebook, there's no one there to hold me accountable. No, it's a it. it makes such a difference. It does. It does. Uh, you let yourself off a little more if it's just between, you know, you and you. If it's just in your own head, then you think actually it doesn't matter too much. But bring somebody else into the mix. Yeah, it, again, it adds that, yeah, a bit of pressure, which I, I, I do think is healthy. Um, and, and I think you, you've got the coaching side of it. You've also got the mentoring side of it, which is, you know, you can, the, most things are, you, we are capable of figuring most things out. Okay? So we can figure stuff out. But it can take us an age to do that. <laughs> and when you think about something like um, whether it's you know leading your business team, whether it's influencing and communicating with patients and your team, whether it's uh, you know running a successful business, there are lots of people that have trodden this path before all of us, and they most of the time they will have laid out what are the steps, what are the key considerations, what's the optimal approach based on my experience looking back at all the mistakes I made. Yes. And being able to share that so that someone can follow in the path and really you know, almost ex exponentially go through that development and growth for themselves is really, really part of you know, best practice sharing and mentoring. It's, it's a really vital part of how we develop and grow. And what's what's next for you over the next 12 months? I know, you know, we're, we're starting to see some kind of we've all had to change the way that we work over the last sort of 12, 14 months. But I mean, yes, where would you like to see focus for growth go? So, um, well, in the last three years since inception, I've worked with lots of different organizations, mm -hmm. some, some, you know, inside and outside of uh, dentistry. And in the next 12 months, I'm really going to be, I guess, coming back to dentistry as a, as a core focus area for me, um, not just in industry. So I work with some incredible companies. Um, I work with, you know, Align Technology. I'm working with WNH, the uh, handpiece manufacturers. I'm working with Septodont, the leader in anaesthetics. Uh, I work with BioHorizons and Implantology. So I'm working with lots of incredible companies and, and, and loving the experience of doing that by association i'm starting to work with dentists and i think that is an area for me in the next 12 months where i'll really start to put some more focused attention how do i help dental teams dental organizations groups uh, larger practices how do i help the people in there to to learn some of these business uh, sales and leadership skills so that they can better serve their patients build their practices and and grow their their businesses more organically Amazing. I think that's that's an exciting, exciting uh, section mm. of the of the profession at the moment. I know a lot of people are saying they've had massive growth and in interest in their um, their treatments, um, particularly yes. aesthetic dentistry and things like that. I think um, a lot of that was um, down to COVID um, mm. in, in a really strange sort of way, I think, with, yeah. with whether more income, disposable income even and things like that. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, yeah. yeah, that'll be a fun part, I think, to work with lots of uh, opportunities there. Yeah, I, I agree. And, and I've you know, if you look at the evidence there, Gabby, there's a, I think there's a couple of really interesting market forces going on. The first is there's an ONS, you know, Office for National Statistics report recently that showed the, the average uh, savings of the UK population have increased by threefold. So it's, it was about a 9%, 9% uh, of the population had, had savings in the bank. It's now at 29%, so three times as many people. Um, which definitely explains why people are investing in oral health and cosmetic dentistry. 
The second is this, uh, I, I saw it in a number of articles, the Zoom effect. I don't know if you've heard about that, where lots of professionals are on Zoom and the, the, the thing about Zoom is you see the other person, but that you also see yourself almost continuously while you're online. And if you don't, you know, if, if you become more conscious of how you look, you know, your smile and your, your dentition is a huge part of that. So those two combining factors are really making patients, you know, make the right decisions to go to see their dentist. But I guess as, as you know, dental practitioners, what we need to make sure is that as those patients are approaching, we're asking the right questions, we're understanding, you know, what are the key drivers for them wanting those changes and how do we best service that need? I think that's a good point, making sure that the motivations behind uh, their, their desire for a treatment are sort of where you want them to be um, and not for the wrong reasons and making sure that it's in their best interest as the patient is, is yeah, is uh, very important. Yes, absolutely. But I'm um, just to, just to round round up. Um, I know you mentioned at the beginning that you first got into the dental industry um, when you were, did you say 16? 17. 17. So, I mean, I know you, you ventured away from dentistry a little bit over the course of your career, but what do you reckon you would have done if it wasn't uh, trained to be a dental technician at that time? What, what other things were sort of going through your head as a potential career path? Mm. I, do you know, I probably medical, some, something along the um, uh, medical devices, medical technologies. I, I, I'll be completely honest. I don't think I had the, uh, the intellect to become uh, a doctor or a dentist. I, I did apply for uh, dental school at one point. Um, and, and actually, I, was, I, I could have got into Bristol, but I was already, I think, four years into uh, my dental technology training, and, I would ha and it would have been a six-year pre-BDS uh, year. So I just thought, you know, 10 years of education, uh, I, I, so I turned it down. But I pro probably something in the medical profession, I'm not sure what, but I've got this feeling that I would have ended up in sales, leadership and business anyway. I, it, when, I, when I'm in front of clients, when I'm sharing these insights and, and some of the roles that I've had in the past look very natural to me. So I think I've got this affinity for sales, business and leadership. And it's, yeah. I, I, right, you would have ended up in the same place. <laughs> yeah, I, I took the long way around, but I probably would have got here anyway. <laughs> You know what? The long way around is sometimes nice because I think it kind of as we've established it allows you to enjoy other parts that you would have missed out on otherwise. Um, so I'm I'm a big fan of the long way around. Um. Me, me, me too. Me too. Actually, on on reflection, it doesn't always feel like it when you're taking the long way around. It doesn't always feel like it's the right thing. But when you get to somewhere you're happy with, looking back, it really does feel like it's been a good journey. Yeah, definitely, I definitely. I think hindsight, yeah, you can look back and think actually, I really did enjoy the process <laughs> at the time. Yeah. It be quite um, exhausting and a little bit frustrating, but uh, yeah, it, it is one of those things. I. I I also read um, a kind of s some um, Buddhist uh, philosophy and some, some uh, Buddhist teachings. And it's quite interesting that, you know, we, I don't want to get too deep, but we, we, we can spend a lot of our lives waiting for something to arrive, waiting to get to a destination or comparing with something in the past. And that really can steal our ability to just be present in the moment and enjoy where we are right now rather than always trying to strive for something or look back on something and it's one of those things that um yeah I, it's a continuing practice that's why they call meditation and mindfulness a practice because you you have to keep bringing yourself back to it and recognizing the importance of every individual moment
Definitely, definitely. I think it, you can kind of, in a very sort of, I guess, surface level sense, it's kind of like living for the weekend. You know, you need to enjoy your working days as well as much as you can. Because yes. that's, you know, that's a, a huge chunk of your life is spent at work, whether we like mm -hmm. it or not. Um, so it's, it's enjoying those days. Um, yes. Not just Saturday and Sunday. Um, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. It, it, it is. It is. It really is. And just that, you know, returning to just bringing yourself at key points throughout a day back to an individual moment uh, and taking the chance either whether it's to breathe just kind of take notice or oh, am I am I tense or, or or should I should I could I relax and just simple things like that I mean if anybody's listening to this now take a take a moment just think where could I relax in my shoulders how could I just take a deep breath enjoy the moment for a minute definitely Thank you. That's, that's a nice note to end on. Thanks for that. It's good, isn't it? Yeah, I like that. Yes, I like Gavin. that a lot. <laughs> thank you. No, seriously, thank you so much for, for coming on today. I've, I've really enjoyed the chat. Um, I think you've got said some good stuff there that people can take away. Um, thank you. And uh, yeah, good luck for the rest of 2021. And um, I'm sure I'll speak to you soon. Yeah, thank you very much, Gabby. Really appreciate it. Thanks, Justin.